This episode of Into the Fae contains themes that may not be suitable for some listeners. Please see our complete list of trigger warnings in the show notes. Listener discretion is advised. Also, before we begin, this episode contains words from languages that this narrator is not wholly familiar with. Pronunciation will be attempted and failure will result. I would like to apologize in advance. No offense is intended. The large tree sits overlooking a field of green, its hallowed ancient branches stretching far into the night sky. The gathering begins. Followers of the old gods, those who walk with nature and worship by the moon, begin to dance around a bonfire. The night is young, and the gods have come to join the evening festivities. Since the beginning of written history, stories have existed of unusual creatures residing in the hidden spaces of our world. The fair folk, the she, the good neighbors, fairy. They exist in our minds and throughout almost every culture. Devas and sprites, pixies and dryads, they come in a variety of sizes and shapes. Humanoid creatures with magical abilities to bewitch and seduce their targets. They are both feared and beloved by many. Come with me as we travel into a world of wonder and magic, and discover what makes the Fae, what to do, or more importantly, what not to do when you meet one, and explore the various incarnations from gnomes to kitsune. So sit back, relax, and join me as we enter into the Fae. Today we will be discussing the Too Hot Didanon. This will be a longer episode, as there is a lot to cover, but I'll try to be as concise as I can be. The Tuhatte Danan, originally called simply the Tuhatte, are a race of supernaturally gifted individuals in Irish mythology. Thought to be depictions of the ancient gods, the name Tuhatte means tribe of the gods. Tuhatte Danan, in turn, means folk of the goddess Danu. Warriors and poets, healers and artisans, the Tuhatte Danan are as varied as they are skilled, and their tales have survived the test of time. The Tuhat de Danann were said to be the first kings of Ireland, and they came to Ireland on a boat emerging from a cloud of mist to a land on the shore of Lac Corrib in the plain of Mortoy. Some say the mist was simply smoke from the boats as they burned to ensure they would cultivate the area they landed on. Others say they were aliens. They were tall and pale, with red or blonde hair and blue or green eyes, and were said to be either gods themselves or followers of the goddess Danu, although the goddess was considered one of them herself. Later Christian writings would say they were either demons or fallen angels. They came from Denmark, or was it Atlantis? Austria? Some writings say Greece. What is made clear in the ancient texts is that they hailed from four different cities, Gorias, Mordas, Phalias, and Findias. When they got to Ireland, they were met by a race known as the Firbolg. No, not the Dungeons and Dragons creatures. These were the rulers of Ireland when the Tuat de Danann showed up, and the two clashing factions fought. The Tuat de were victorious, but they agreed to share a portion of Ireland with the Firbolgs. They got Connacht, and only Connacht. 
If you don't know where that is, that's okay, I don't either. The point is, they got a small portion of Ireland to stay on, while the Tuat de Danan got the rest. The Tuat de Danan brought with them a variety of things, but four stand out and are known as the Four Great Talismans. The first was the Stone of Destiny, also known as the Stone of Fall, or the Coronation Stone. This stone is said to still reside on the Hill of Tara and was said to scream whenever the rightful King of Ireland stood upon it. It came from the city of Phalias, and there is speculation that the original stone was actually taken from Tara and is now in possession of the Scottish being used in their ceremonies. The second item was the Sword of Light, or the Magic Sword of Noah. From the city of Phineas, it inflicted only mortal blows and was impossible to defeat. It belonged to the god Noah, who named it Clive Soish, or the Sword of Light. The only weakness this sword had was the flame of Tarvalon, wielded by Balor and unable to be deflected by the sword. Thus, Noah fell. The third item also came from the city of Phalias and was known as the Spear of the Sun God Luh. Some also say this was a slingshot, but there are others that tell the slingshot was an additional weapon that Luh wielded. Known as Luin Chilchar, the spear was famed for its accuracy and impossible to overcome in battle. It is with this spear that Luth slew Belor in retaliation for killing Noah. The fourth and final item came from Murtis, the cauldron of Data, and was filled with endless food. Known as the Kore Ansi, or Undri, it never ran dry, and no one who ate from it ever went unsatisfied. It has been compared in the past to the Holy Grail of Christian mythology. The Tuat de Danan were one of several races of humans in the ancient Celtic texts, and up until the 17th century, historians considered them factual. They ruled Ireland from about 1897 to 1700 BCE. The four great epics of Irish folklore, the Ulster Cycle, the Mythological Cycle, the Fenian Cycle, and the King Cycle, all tell the tales of the Tuat de Danan. These powerful beings with sorcerer-esque abilities lorded over the land of Ireland for generations until they were driven underground by the Milesians, who were the ancestors of the modern-day Irish. It's unclear whether the Tuat de were actual deities or just the chosen people of Danu. The Irish monks also called the Israelites Tuat de, meaning people of God, which is why the term became Tuat de Danan in order to differentiate. For the purposes of this podcast, we are going to consider the Tuhat Day as deities in their own right and describe them as such. Now, I could have an entire podcast on the lore and mythology of each deity on their own, so we're going to just concentrate on a few and just the highlights. If there's enough interest, I may do a follow-up episode in the future. The members of the Tuhat Day were as follows. Danu. Data, Angus, Nuada, Morrigan, Bridget, Bone, Luh. The list goes on. The three I'm going to talk about today are Luh, Bridget, and Data. I have no specific reason for this, I chose them at random, but all three are prominent in the Tuhat Day Pantheon. Luh was a warrior and champion fighter. He was owner of the Luh Spear, a mighty weapon that could not be defeated. He was only half Tuhat Day on his father's side. His mother's side was the Fomorian, 
and when Luth Lamfrata joined the Tuat Dei, the two sides were at war. He commanded the Tuat Dei, and when Nuada was slain by Balor, Luth's grandfather, Luth avenged his death by killing Balor. With Nuada dead, Luth was crowned the new king of the Tuat Dei Danan. God of storm, sun, and sky, he was persistent and determined. A prominent character in Irish literature, he was a god of fire, an invincible warrior, and a just king. Today, he is still celebrated in certain circles. The pagan harvest festival of Lunasa is held traditionally on August 1st and marks the beginning of a harvest season. It was said to have been begun by Luch as a funeral feast as well as an athletic competition as a way to honor his mother-slash-foster mother, Taltu. Today's festivals consist of more upbeat celebrations such as dancing, music, feasting, and storytelling. Bridget was said to be either a triple goddess or two persons entwined as one. Her name means glorious one, and her story still raises many questions to this day. Born the daughter of Deda and Bone, she was a goddess of fire and the sun although she also has ties to the element of water as the goddess of the well. Another name she went by was Briosade, which means fiery power. She definitely had her own followers and was the patroness of healing, music, fertility, and agriculture. Her influence even traveled as far as Scotland. The most fascinating thing about Bridget was that when Christianity came to Ireland and the old gods were being replaced, she thrived. Molding herself into a Christian saint, she was reborn as Saint Bridget of Kildare in 450 AD, when she built a church under an old oak tree and gained a following of seven young girls. As Saint Bridget, she could produce miracles and heal wounds. She was so successful, she became associated with the Virgin Mary herself, and has been known as the foster mother of Jesus and Mary of the Gale. The pagan festival of Imbolc, celebrated on February 1st, honors the goddess Bridget as well as the Catholic Saint Bridget by crafting Saint Bridget's Cross, a cross-shaped item traditionally woven from straw. Bridget's Cross being hung on the rafters of a house is said to bring blessings and protection, and there are several variations today. In addition to being a celebration of the goddess and the saint, it is also one of the national symbols of Ireland. Deda was an enormous man who wore a cloak with a hood. Known as the Good God, he was one of the most important gods of Celtic legends. If Danu was the mother goddess, then Deda was the father god. They started the Tuhat de Danan, and it's very possible that Deda was Danu's son. Deda had many children, a few of which were Angus, Bridget, Bobd Derg, Sirmate, Ain, and Myrdir. He was known as a symbol of strength, agriculture, fertility, magic, and wisdom, and he controlled time, the seasons, life, death, the crops, and the weather. He was also the owner of one of the four talismans of the Tuat Dei, the Cauldron of Data, as well as a club that could kill with one end while reviving the victim with the other, and a harp that could control both the seasons and the emotions of people. Data ruled over the Tuat Dei as their king for 70 or 80 years before his death at the Battle of Magduid. At some point after the Tuat Dei Danann arrived in Ireland and after they fought off the Firbolgs, they came in contact with the Milesians. 
They defeated the Milesians and drove them out of Ireland completely, stating in prophecy that if they should ever return, they would be the rightful rulers of the land. In order to keep that from happening, the Tuat Dei somehow made the entirety of Ireland invisible. Despite the invisibility, around 1700 BCE, the Milesians found their way back. Now, some say they caught the Tuat Dei completely off guard and were able to defeat them and drive them underground. Others say the Tuat Dei, seeing the prophecy coming true, simply gave in and agreed to live underground. Either way, the Tuat Dei Danan took to the Shi, or fairy mounds, and they became known as the Aishi, the people of the fairy mounds. This, some say, was the origin of fairies. Another theory is that instead of living underground, the goddess Danu sent them away to Tirnanol, the land of the young. We will get more into Tirnanol in a later episode at some point. To go into that lore would be a much longer episode, and this one is long enough already. One additional fun fact about the Tuhat de Danan is that they were horse owners. A possible theory as to what happened to them is that their horses, who had large eyes, broad chests, and were as fast as the wind, lived in a place known as the Great Cave of the Hills, and the Tuhat de joined them and became known as the Cave Fairies. She, which means fairy, is potentially just another name for the Tuhat Dei. Thank you for listening to Into the Fae. This concludes this week's episode, written and recorded by me, Allie. The music today was The Seely Court by the late Glenn Reisner. Please like us and subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you would like to contribute to the show, there is a donate link in the show notes, or you can support us on Patreon or Ko-fi. I am looking into some goodies for our Patreon supporters, so if you have any ideas or just want to comment on the show, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at IntoFayPodcast, or drop us an email at IntoTheFayPodcasts at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.